0: Hello, everybody. He Welcome ready. back to another edition of the Backer Page podcast, a.k.a. PC Gaming Classics. My name is Phil Ivanyuk and with me is the Alex Turner of British games journalism. It's Jeremy Peel. Hello, Jeremy.
1: Hey, hello.
0: Hi. It's w- weird to sort of do that when we've been talking for upwards of 20 minutes already, isn't it? But...
1: <laughs> it is. You've But immediately um, reminded me that me and my partner once heard Alex Turner on Radio 1 Refer to Sheffield as Sheffield and uh, <laughs> we say that to each other often we both live in Sheffield so uh, yeah important bit of context there yeah we, we, we get a lot of use out of that
0: I think they're from High Green aren't they the Arctic Monkeys High Green
1: baby that's what he says I mean
0: I should know I should
1: know where that is
0: yeah, well I um my Sheffield not there's a I I know from Jeremy that there's an absolutely lovely place for brunch quite near where you live, Jeremy, isn't there? But um Yeah, listen, that's, but <laughs> that's not really why we're here.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is um, a back page spin off. Like it, it is all about um eateries local to the places where the hosts live. Well,
0: actually, we'll be getting on to that. I've got a a little tidbit of info that's exactly along those lines. So that's very exciting that you've um, you've sort of formalized that as a segment in this podcast. But officially, Mm. uh, this is all about the 1997 RPG Fallout uh, by Interplay, which we have been... Reminiscing about, ruminating on, replaying on PCs old and new um, and very excited to get into it. But let's just catch up for a minute. So the last podcast we dropped was uh, was Blade Runner. That was just before Christmas. Um, firstly, Jeremy, did you have a nice Christmas and New Year? And if so, what was it like?
1: I did. It was nice. Um, Good. I think, I'm trying to think <laughs> Illuminating. whether it played anything interesting over that time. Uh, not particularly. It was a good time, uh, and yeah, it was nice. How was yours?
0: Good. Well, I feel I feel like I was there. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I was there with you. <laughs> oh, Christ! I uh, play Layers of Fear for some reason. Oh, I'll tell you what it was because I, I went over to um to my parents' place for Christmas, and I obviously didn't didn't bring a massive gaming PC with me. I brought my work MacBook. uh, So I was limited to um, games that work on a Mac on Steam. And I think constraints are always great, right? Like everyone's Steam library is too big. And uh, it was great to just have a lot of the decisions made for me. So Layers of Fear popped up. um, Enjoyed that. Not very congruous with merriment and um, and jolliness and port and um, Cadbury's Roses and other things that are Christmassy in my household, but... uh, but it was good, and a bit of Dawn of War three as well.
1: Lovely. Oh, um, I'll tell you what I did. I, I figured out that um, Fallout New Vegas would run on my my work laptop, and because oh. um, this is what I do, I tend to get carried away. I got back into Fallout, and then it's like, oh, I'll play at least two Fallout's at once. <laughs> Gosh,
0: that is quite an undertaking. I've been playing more recently in the in the new year. I've been playing Elden Ring. Uh, alongside Fallout, and um I mean, you'll understand why that is an absolute nightmare. But we'll we'll get into it. But suffice to say, I'm just gagging for some quest markers and and things like it's all very what you know. Careful what you wish for, isn't it? For years we've been saying we want we want completely player directed worlds, but now I want a quest marker and a compass and a really well kept diary and a and a quest log that just like listen, mate, go here. There's a knife. Pick up the knife, go back to this bloke. He's exactly there in this tavern, and you'll get a load of XP. That's what I want. Yeah,
1: now. I was going to say I don't see you sticking with Elden Ring. I don't see me sticking with it <laughs> at any point, but especially not you. I get very pig-headed about it,
0: though. Like I, I tend to stick with the games I'm not enjoying as much because with the the games that I really love, I like to save them for a special treat. <laughs> you okay, like, really? oh, I'm really enjoying this. Is my life perfect in every way? If no, then let's shelve it until it is. Whereas if it's Elden Ring, it's like <laughs> fuck this game. I'm gonna beat it. I don't care if I'm enjoying it or not. I just want it done, and I like completely devalue it and show it no respect, and like try and right. cheese it in any way possible, and then it's done, and I've won.
1: You like to match the mood of of your life at that time, <laughs> so basically. If, if you're not having a good time, you you need a sort of flaying from your video games at that at that moment.
0: is yeah, what I'm it guessing. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be difficult. It just doesn't. It just can't be brilliant. The brilliant games <laughs> are only for when you have like time off work. Your house is immaculate. Everything's going well in your personal life. Yeah, you've got great food shopping. You're cooking a lovely meal later on in the day, and only then are you allowed to play the games that you like. I don't
1: know if I've, anyone else. Works I've like been that. doing this wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also this is why like a lot of my favorite games, this is why we it's good that we're doing this podcast because a lot of my favorite games that i sort of hold up there as being you know in my in my personal uh, mount rushmore i've only played it once because I, I just never like i never deem it the appropriate time to go back and in case i wear out the magic you know so uh and i guess fallout is one of those games um so it's good that uh we're doing this yeah uh, before we get into talking about Fallout itself though I wanted to share you uh, share with you this this um, anecdote Jeremy. Uh, it's a wonderful anecdote um, and it goes a bit like this just before Christmas um, I went into Itsu in Bath and I saw none other than Matthew Castle.
1: Matthew Castle imagine that that's a familiar name
0: <laughs> Matthew Castle star of the backpage podcast um and he looked startled and then uh i think realized who i was if not was very good at vamping <laughs> and just smoothing his way through an encounter with somebody who was accosting him in uh, in a sushi place and I, uh,
1: I think he i'm sure he must have uh known who you were because i don't think matthew i can't imagine matthew just kind of uh Bluffing his way I don't think he'd be afraid Mm. to say I'm sorry I I don't know who you are to
0: to be fair we did talk about the podcast and if he hadn't have got it by then then that must have clicked and also just hearing the voice you know um
1: yeah yeah you both close your eyes and (laughs) and listen to each other and and place the voices (laughs) that would do it
0: can we get the whole picture
1: what what is it Sue? is that a chain I don't know it
0: it is a chain, yeah, yeah. They do uh they do pretty affordable sushi and the their thing, their whole thing is that um you can order on a big tablet like in McDonald's.
1: That's it. Right. So pretty is it how how good is the sushi, would you say? Mm,
0: seven out of ten. Six or seven.
1: I don't so know. that was the kind of day you were having, right? What well, this is what we're gathering. <laughs> you were having I, a, a reasonable day, but you're like, I can't treat myself. Yeah.
0: I think most of my days are like a six or a seven. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't going to go down patisserie Valerie and just go weapons free on all the pastries. It was just like a functional get some carbs and protein and reasonably fresh things in, and uh, get on yeah. with my day. And I, I think Matthew was having a similar day, so um, our paths um, intercrossed there, and that was a, a real thrill. So uh, that's my that's my anecdote for the the episode.
1: That's lovely. What did he say about the podcast?
0: Oh well, he said he liked it, um, and I believed him. So right. that was good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I was greatly heartened by those words. <laughs> <laughs> that's a relief. So I think that's it. I think that's us caught up. Really, that's that's everything that's happened in our lives in the last uh, month since we uh, played Blade Runner and talked about it on the last episode. You can um, you can listen to that one if you're. Um... How would they listen to that one, Jeremy? You would need to be a Patreon patron.
1: Yeah, you? you want to go to um, Patreon dot com forward slash. Backpage Pod. I'm going to co- check if that's correct now. I am in fact a pod. While,
0: while Jeremy does that, I'll uh, just remind you that we also have episode one, which was System Shock two. Um, so those two, you could binge on us if you if you if you wanted to. Um, I don't have quite the same depth of um, anecdotes in all the other episodes, but you don't run into Matthew Castle every day, so that's only only fair.
1: Right, I'm pleased to announce I got the URL right, and that's so- where you want to go if you want to um wait i've just realized that anyone listening to this knows that they've already done that. that's right that's
0: right isn't it yeah because how else would
1: they be getting this one (laughs) so i suppose what we're saying
0: is um just a reminder that the previous two podcasts which you've definitely listened to because you've already sort of paid for them um they still exist so why not go back
1: and listen to them all again yeah (laughs) Eventually, we'll figure out how how it is that people are hearing our podcast. Yes, cats. yes. Um, which radio station is this going out on again, Jeremy? I forget. <laughs> I <can't>. Six Music.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, we'd better. Before I humiliate myself uh, any further, we'd better start talking about Fallout. Or rather, I'd better tee up some nice questions about Fallout, which Jeremy will then say some very interesting and smart things about, and I will go, <laughs> "Huh? Yeah, it is, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so firstly, what were your first recollections of this when it came out in 1997? Did you hear about it at the time? If not, when did you?
1: I didn't hear about it at the time. The first I knew of Fallout, I think, was uh, a mate at school handed me a CD um it was like a ripped cd oh um, yeah and it was totally unannounced i hadn't we hadn't talked about it he hadn't mentioned that he was going to bring this in for me to the degree that i suspected that like had had he originally made this for another purpose and he was just uh, you know i was that i don't know what the what the um the circumstance was Mm -hmm. that led to him handing me this disc
0: Uncharacteristic generosity of a secondary school child, I would say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, and uh, uh, he gave me this disc, and uh, and he must have told me it was Fallout. Yeah, and I uh, I went home and tried it, and uh, uh, found it a bit weird. If I'm perfectly honest, Phil, (laughs) as as you as you'll have been reminded by this point, um, Fallout begins with a big cave full of rats.
0: Ah, does it ever?
1: Does and it, uh... um and that's your introduction to its turn-based combat um mm. which i i wasn't really acquainted with just the idea of turn-based combat um at that time sort of freaked me out like i didn't really it seemed the idea of it seemed so treacly and i didn't know whether i'd have the patience for it or the strategic mind for it Uh, I think it's easy to forget but I think a lot of people go through these kind of um, roadblocks with particular genres and and what have you and that was one for me um, which is odd to look back on because I I love a lot of turn-based tactics stuff now but um, yeah I just I just found it very odd that I was punching rats using some kind of action point system I had to you know, every every couple of times I punched a rat, I wouldn't be able to do it a third time and I'd have to wait for them to hit me back, <laughs> yeah. gnaw on my ankles. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, you get very acquainted with that animation, don't you, of them gnawing?
1: Yeah, and I remember sort of liking the art style, which it seems to me now is sort of vaguely reminiscent of sort of 2000 AD or, or some kind of, you know, mm. quite... Um, serious sci-fi comic um but i never played it again uh i say never i didn't play that that version of it again the next time i played it was 2008 would that be right it was in the run-up i knew fall fallout 3 was happening it was right. coming out
0: yeah so fallout 3 dropped in 2008 didn't it so
1: that's right yeah that and i would um uh i'd just gone to uni and I didn't have um, a gaming PC. And I wasn't, didn't yet have my, my Xbox 360, which was my first ever console. Got that like at Christmas 2008. So in the run I up mean, to that.
0: That's quite late for you getting a console.
1: Yeah. What, what were you PC. doing before then? Just PC? Well, yeah. In, in, in our house, it was, I don't know, my parents, they had a, a, a sort of strange attitude to this stuff where they were happy for me to play pc games to my heart's content or you know certainly on saturday mornings while they weren't you know rather wouldn't rather we were doing more productive or outside Mm. things yeah um but i think buying a dedicated gaming console they 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 thought that was a bit much like what would that be encouraging i've I've never asked them actually i don't know what their thinking was there exactly but um, it's why my you know, gaming sensibilities were shaped the way they were. Um, yeah, well, my mum my was very similar.
0: There was something about consoles. I think it was a lot of the marketing, right? A PC, you you could ostensibly be doing your homework on it at any given moment. You were always just an alt tab away from doing something productive. But games consoles, there was none of that. And also the marketing was just completely different. Like Because obviously PCs as an entity didn't market themselves. It would be, you know, Parker Bell would it'd be an advert of like a whole family doing stuff on a pc in and it'll be sort of lovely wide smiles and rosy cheeks and printers and things whereas like playstation adverts were really confrontational and like people's heads exploding because stuff was so intense um so yeah i think that that put the fear into my mum as well about what that might be doing if i was exposed to these
1: dangerous uh video games on console but little did she know i was playing fallout (laughs) yeah I mean, I can imagine my parents didn't like the idea of having a carving out a space in the house that was dedicated to to games, or certainly not one that might commandeer the TV, where that was you know reserved for Time Team and um, Gardener's World. Yeah, you know, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't have been deemed right. So, so that was the way it was, and and actually, I you know got into consoles around the time when they you know, PC franchises were appearing on them for the first time. I felt comfortable with the Xbox because, um, you know, Fallout was coming to it and Mass Effect and Half-Life and all of these traditionally sort of PC threads were appearing there. So I was like, okay, yeah, I understand this. Uh, And so I had a plan to do that. But um, in the run-up, I was like, right, I'm going to get into Fallout because I know this is the new... Big RPG happening, and I've been into Baldur's Gate and all this stuff, and and this will be for me. Um, and that time I finally got it, you know. And um, I remember I have a very specific association between Fallout One and um, pot noodles, <laughs> uh, the orange flavor pot noodles. It's oh, not like right the, to uh, the spicy one. Maybe, I, it's not. It's not right to call a pot noodle by uh by like a food name, like because that's not really what they're like. It was yellow flavor. Um, <laughs> oh well, that and, that is uh, the curry one.
2: But, well, unless yeah, that's
1: right. No, it's right. That's the curry one. Was it called the Bombay Bad Boy? Oh, I would have remembered that. I think it used to be because I'm not right. Where Where else would I have that from? That sounds uh, very like uh, lad culture. Yeah. they were uh pot noodle, maybe they'd toned it down by two thousand and eight. But um yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I would come home, you know, I was first first year of uni, not really applying myself because there's just this deeply lethargic atmosphere to living in first year uni halls. Like you can go in there with the intention of of working and being a good student, but it just it just seeps out of you immediately. <laughs> It's a uh, difficult sorry. balance,
0: isn't it, between uh, spending as much time as possible in the kitchen. I remember the kitchen being a very mm. important social space in halls. So you want yeah. to like soak up every all the fun stuff and not miss out on like this legendary thing that happened that was like top bands. Yeah. But then also for the first time you've got like basically limitless video gaming time, and no one's yeah, really going to hold you accountable. And then third on the priorities list is uh, going to uni.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. it's very
0: difficult to balance. And then you're also, you're 18. So like, you know, I guess some people are making all right choices, but I certainly wasn't.
1: And and I studied English and music. So some people I knew would, you know, study in that aerospace engineering and they would have packed schedules through the week. Mm. Um, You know, it's that way if you do medicine as well, those kind of courses. But humanities course tended to have, one or two lectures at the beginning of a day, typically less and um <laughs> I'd go in for them and I'd come back and By the time I'd walk back up the hill through sheffield to uh to my halls, I felt like I'd earned a pot noodle and three or four hours on fallout, you definitely had, yeah, so that's what i that's what I did, and that's how I got to know it and it's a it's a fond memory, and I did love it, and I was perfectly prepped for when um, Bethesda's reimagining came out.
0: Well, that is perfect timing. Uh, For me, it was another game from the aforementioned uh, giant tin of games that came with my first gaming PC. (laughs) So I've really gone for like uh, as light work as possible with this list of games that we came up with before we started doing this podcast. Just like What's just easily within reach in my memory? What have I played a load of already? Um, yeah,
1: was it in the tin? It's a tin out of ten. <laughs> I that's straight
0: in there. This is the second game in the list that's come out of the tin, the first one being Blade Runner. Um, but I do think it it uh, it is considered like the quintessential um, 90s RPG as well. Like we were, um, you know, just to go sort of behind the curtain a little bit, we were tossing this one up between... Um, it was between this and um, and Baldur's Gate now yeah if we were talking Baldur's Gate 2 then i think you'd you'd have to go with Baldur's Gate 2 really it's the more interesting game and probably still the best isometric rpg that's ever been but Baldur's Gate 2 was 2001 was it yeah 2002? I, I, I think it was
1: one uh, i think it may have been 2000 i may be wrong but
0: 2000 well we've got a 3 year spread there we're going to have to have a look <laughs>
1: I'll let you look. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm very fond of the first Baldur's Gate, but I recognise that. Um, it's, it was uh, 2000,
0: Jeremy. Hey, there we go. September 2000.
2: There wow. Okay.
0: Um. So that's out of uh, that's out of this podcast. Dream it right. Like it's PC gaming classics from the 1990s, and I think uh, Fallout's impact was uh, such that. It's really fondly remembered us as, as the outright best from, uh, from this decade. And I think that's evidenced by how popular all the sequels have become and also how incredibly similar they are. Uh, like how much is in the first game that Bethesda built out three and four from? Um, Yeah, it's
1: quite striking, isn't it? Like so many of the iconic designs for the um, monsters and robots, and the iconography of the vault, the jumpsuits, the cog-like door. Yeah, all there, all there. Pit boy, Um, the special system. It's like it's just a perfect
0: design doc for an open-world 3D. Uh, polygonal RPG in 2008. And it's it's all there um, in that 97 RPG. And I, I think in terms of like post-apocalypse, it had been explored in games before. Obviously, Wasteland had come uh, several years earlier. But I think this was the first one that had seemed to have thought about the specifics of its own apocalypse quite this much. Yeah, you know the the game begins with this incredible timeline sequence explaining so much about the world, how it all went to shit, why it's well, it's, I guess it's not really explained explicitly why they're trapped in a sort of 1950s limbo stylistically and culturally, but they've just really thought about it and uh, and then they've thought about okay, well, what would it be like if everyone was trapped in vaults for hundreds of years? Why would they be trapped in vaults for hundreds of years? And so it was. It just seemed narratively complete and rich and deep in in ways that the apocalypse hadn't really been before. And I think that was a massive part of its impact uh, at the time in '97.
1: Yeah. Very specifically, like tonally tuned, like that that intro, the famous intro with um, it's uh, it's maybe isn't it the song that's used yeah. in uh, in this one? I think they wanted. Um, I don't want to set the world on fire, but they couldn't get the rights this time. I don't want to set the
2: world on fire.
1: Indeed, I think Bethesda yeah. managed to get that one later, but um, they did. Yeah, and and you have the slow zoom out from an oldie worldie TV set, and uh, and there's the advert on there for uh, is he called Mister Handy the uh, the sort of domestic robot with all these all these wiggly limbs and, and you know it. that sort of dream of like domestic automation you can put your feet up and you get the slow zoom out from that set and you see that the house around it is dilapidated the floors caved in and it seems further out and you see that all houses are that way and suddenly the i the idea of domestic life of ease of domestic life is just uh it's a mockery you know, just mm. the idea of having this advert playing in this world is just um just a really sort of striking bit of irony and that's you know, sets the the feel for that game and, and all the fallout games that have come afterwards.
0: Well yeah, and even that that device itself has been used uh in three and four as well, right? The uh like the chintzy music laden nineteen fifties style optimism. That's like yeah. zooms out and gives way to the reality of an apocalypse. Like everything is is in this first game that that, that Bethesda needed to turn this into a blockbuster um, modern series. It was very well received at the time. the The review this was pre when I was reading PC Gamer, so I don't know what the PC Gamer review score would have been, but I do remember it popping up a lot in the best ofs and you know the yearly top one hundreds and things like that. So. Pretty fondly regarded. Certainly nothing like the sort of cultural megalith that it's become. Um, But yeah, pretty fondly regarded at the time. Um, We should just go through some of the prominent names behind this one. Um, And Jeremy, these are names of people who you have met and spoken to as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Because a lot of the the kind of key people from this game have over time... um, Gathered together at Obsidian, um, a few years back, I got a chance to speak to all of them about, you know, the making of Fallout, how it how it came to be. So, um, go on then. Drop the names. Drop the names. There's Tim Kane. Uh, there's you're putting me on the spot here. Fergus Urquhart, <laughs> who was the um, it was the head of Interplay's um, internal, you know, development of like the RPG division. At that time, it wasn't called Black Isle. At that time, they hadn't, they didn't come mm. up with that name. Um, but he was there, and he's you know head of Obsidian today. Um, Leonard Boyarski who was the um, you know the art lead on the original Fallout, I think Tim Cain was the the design lead, effectively. Um, I think those are the ones that I spoke to. Um, you know, there are other key names on of, on the original Fallout as well
0: um yeah i guess uh chris taylor would be the other um, yeah big name in that one uh tim kane just to go through some of his other big hits and the the games that he'd be associated with in addition to fallout 2 that came a, a year later just incredible how the studios turned around <laughs> we're just making it just make a second one in a year uh we're talking about that with blade runner like everything yeah. that Westwood achieved in like a three or four year span is absolutely nuts but um I, I digress. Um, he was uh, one of the programmers on um, Vampire Bloodlines, along with Leonard Bajarsky. Um Also, yes. a programmer on South Park: The Stick of Truth, which I don't know. Does that get enough love? I think that's a brilliant game.
1: Oh, um, that's interesting. I, that that must have been when he arrived. That seems kind of to me, sort of like an interim thing. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you, you've arrived at Obsidian. We'll, we'll get you your own project, which they did. You know, The Outer Worlds is, yeah. is um, from both both Tim and Leonard work on that series now at Obsidian. Yeah. But yeah, maybe they, you know, well, we're working on this South Park game for now, so why don't you have at it? I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> the the situation there.
0: Um, yeah, likewise Pillars and Tyranny. Um, so... Uh, well, just it's around the... for a little
1: while there, Yeah.
0: Yeah, some of the some of the biggest games around in that uh, in that genre. And boyowski was um, was on Diablo three as well. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah. So he's got he's got around a bit, and also Arcane of Steamworks and Magic Obscura. If you're into that sort of uh, deep cut, um, so yeah, you know what we'd now consider quite a star-studded cast, but at the time, Interplay's uh, team was sort of still making its name. And I, I want to say this is the first one. In the in their oeuvre, that's sort of still talked about, and I'm going to check that. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's anything that precedes that. Okay, well, I'm looking on the wiki page like a pro. Um, and for Leonard briarski we're talking castles to siege and conquest, unnatural selection, stone keep. Um, so I think I think it's with the greatest respect to those titles. I think it's fair to say that Fallout is the sort of breakout hit for, yeah. for the studio and for these devs.
1: Which um, is um, odd, because I, I did learn when I spoke to them that this was very much not a, you know, a valued project within Interplay at the time. Is that surprising or unsurprising? I don't know that something you always as, hear it, don't you? Yeah, something as specific and left-field as this, I suppose, would always need to sort of slip under the radar a little. And Interplay at the time was, you know, much more interested in sort of... With like sports game initiatives and what have you that nobody remembers today mm. and you know the thing that they weren't paying attention to in the corner um was the thing that would be you know kickstart the um you know the, the studio that is you know considered the publisher's greatest success now really um and yeah fallout was was the first of that um of that kind I think I remember
0: reading or hearing somewhere that the game basically got off the ground because Tim Cain was like such an evangelist for it. They had a working demo, and he just set it up in a room, ordered a load of pizzas in, and he didn't have leads on the project. I don't even think he had a team. He just invited people in, and they gave feedback, and if they were passionate about passionate about it, they became the team. Um, yeah. So I think that's how he sort of managed to sneak it by the, the top brass at Interplay at the time. Yeah, and these weren't
1: sort of official meetings. They were like, if you if you come to this room at this time, there'll be pizza. And yeah. uh, and also there was a there was a project in there, and it was Fallout. <laughs>
0: um, now, cards on the table, everybody. Um, you're hearing this in a weird order. We're talking to you from the future because we forgot to go through all the Discord comments about the previous episode that we wanted to while we were talking about the game intro we know that you're still in the game intro but we're not anymore anyway listen let's not worry about that too much um let's go through some comments jeremy um from our darling listeners about uh the last episode about blade runner um, mm. what do you got as um as al pacino says he says what do you got
1: what do you got and, and does al pacino say that or do rob Brydon and uh, <laughs> steve Coogan say that in uh the- in the trip uh, during their impersonation, I assume it yeah. comes from a film, but that's the way that I know it.
0: I think it. I think it might come from Glengarry Glenn Ross.
1: Right. But maybe okay. it's one
0: of those like life is like a box of chocolate things where it's it's like a similar quote, but it's never said that way. What do you got? What do you what got? Are you
1: got? Uh, I've got Graham S saying uh, he popped in on the Discord to say he enjoyed the episode. As a console boy, these grown-up games pass me by other than in multi-format reviews. But now Uh I've added it to my list of things to get around to at some point before my incept date plus four comes around. That's a nice dark joke, that.
0: uh, His what date?
1: His incept date. So you remember that um, the uh, replicants in Blade Runner uh, had a, a, a life... Uh, four years in, they their lives would end. Right. a built-in. Um, so they've got to do that. Sell by date. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, this leads on quite nicely onto the the comment I was going to read out from Ben Blaster. Hello, Ben. Um, who says wrapped up the Blade Runner episode today? Another good one. Well done, backer boys. To be honest, the most incredulous takeaway is Phil playing the entirety of Blade Runner the game without knowing it was a film, um, which sort of <laughs> speaks to the fact that I also didn't get that reference from the previous We're
1: comment. We're all still incredulous. Yes. Uh,
0: He also says, if Samuel's conduct in this Discord is anything to go by, I can imagine that anecdote with the wobble board is everything Phil made out to be. Well, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's Ryan here. Ryan's a Discord regular, thoroughly enjoyable episode, he said. As has been said before, it's just lovely hearing deep dives into games by people who like them. Um He's just ended up buying Blade Runner and the sequel, never seen them before. So there's another ah, person so who not has alone. got into the films through the game. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's the way to do it. Definitely the way around to do it. Um, Jeremy says I'm on Fallout New Vegas, which oh, is bloody Jeremy Peel. Run uh, in your mouth. No doubt yeah. courting uh Review Wars votes in here. I see, I see what's been
1: going on. <laughs> Mad Brood said that absolutely loving this episode big Blade Runner film head here never played the game but uh, both Jeremy and Phil convinced me that I need to play it oh Uh, thank you very much more kind words Uh, oh yes Bjorn said just started the Blade Runner pod Jeremy's voice sometimes reminds me of the bear from the first island in black and white
2: please use the leash to bring your creature to me (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh i know exactly who he's talking about i've never i've never drawn that line myself but i love that uh i love that deep cut oh maybe we should have Oh, deep black and white is uh is 2001 isn't it but it's again slightly out of our remake but it's exactly the sort of game that i'd talk about for two hours
1: yeah
0: oh man that bear uh so that's uh that's a little smattering of uh, of comments from the Discord chat there. Thank you for those. That's always really heartening to to look through those. Uh you can join that uh, that Discord if you like and you'll see um Jeremy pop in. I don't think I've said anything yet. I'm am shy. I'm just <laughs> I'm just warming up. But Samuel's in there a bit. Um I don't know if Matthew gets involved too, does he? Uh
1: Less so. I think I, I'm the I'm the Samuel equivalent in terms of uh, Discord involvement in our own sure. our own partnership. Yeah, uh, I did. I, I did link you a nice uh, Discord comment the other day, and you said, "Oh, you, I can't. I need to log in. It's making me log in. <laughs> what does it? Yeah. What does it say?" <laughs>
0: Yeah, you called you said that um I was trying to make you uh my internet maiden. Yeah. handmade <laughs> Internet yeah. handmaiden. I'm playing too much um Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well I apologise for that, but uh yeah, thank you for, for those comments and uh check out the Discord so i think we've covered the uh, the broad strokes of the uh, the game intro there right so that's uh, that's how it landed in the industry at the time and our first recollections of it so uh jeremy let's uh, stretch our legs listen to some um fallout soundtrack although mainly it's the sound of wind just whistling isn't it um but we'll uh, we'll enjoy that shall we and then reconvene to talk through review wars and our personal recollections and how it holds up uh, in the modern day does that sound good yeah look forward to it Okay, we're back um, and we're picking up with Review Wars. So in this segment, we, uh, Jeremy and I write the intro paragraph of a review for this game as if we're writing it in situ back in the 90s for the Games Mags of the time who had incredibly like, high concept, playful, some might even say indulgent, ways uh, <laughs> in in their reviews at the time. Uh, and then we also set it to sound and music because this is a podcast. Um, so that's the basic concept. Um, but Jeremy, we have results from uh, from the previous review wars, do we not? So perhaps you'd like to talk us through talk us through that and and you know who won and and, and stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah, I've not got the numbers. I'm gonna bring up the numbers but am I, am I right in thinking that you wrote your um, review war on this for this episode? With the assumption that you lost, <laughs> absolutely. So yes, <laughs> you'll hear
0: a reference in my review or submission uh, this episode, listeners, that that basically just absolutely assumes categorically that I've lost two on the trot, um, and yeah, <laughs> so I, I ready to be checking. the underdog. Yeah, <laughs> that's where all the power is. <laughs> You know, it's easier to to chase it down than it is to hold on to it. So yeah,
1: um... you're you're an overdog, mate. Your days of punching up are over. I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> okay, hit me with the hit me with the results then.
1: The results of uh, the Blade Runner episode review are as follows: Phil, fifty eight percent of the vote, and well, that's uh, the, that's the majority. Well, you, you can you can figure out, yeah. <laughs> There are only two uh, <laughs> competitors. So that's a, that's a clear victory.
0: It's, I'm off the board. I'm on the board. I'm off the mark and on the board. Um, thank you to everybody who voted correctly for my excellent Song Wars review wars. I'm calling it Song Wars because it's very similar to a, a link that Adam and Joe used to do back on Six Music. <laughs> um, I think now, if you remember, what happened was that we'd done the same thing. So I think I've really benefited there from being the first to play their Review Wars um, because nice. we had both decided to do the Voight-Camp test. Jeremy, uh, you know, egomaniacal as I am, even I know that yours was actually better than mine and 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 described the game in much more artful terms. Um, well, it's been unfortunately... established
1: uh, since that episode that yours was slightly louder, ergo
0: better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true as well. I gave you the upper hand. <laughs> that's why when you put on you know you're watching tv and the adverts come on they're compressed to fuck so they're so loud and you're like maybe i will buy a toaster maybe we'll go out and get a burger king you know maybe this
1: man will stop shouting at me if i if i (laughs) (laughs) um
0: so yeah well that's that's a real this this lends new meaning to to this one because someone's going to be edging ahead and um that's true. 1-1 one, one now, aren't we? It does make it, it makes my, it immediately dates mine because as I said, I've assumed that I've lost it. And then, so that's going to be now erroneous um, information, but um, you'll just have to rise above that if you if you will, please, listeners. Um, I think because I went first last time and benefited massively from it, I think you should go first this time. Um, okay. And perhaps you'd like to tee it up with a little bit of your thinking. Let us in in the actor's studio here, what was going on in your head?
1: So I, I know we were we were concerned last time around that we might have uh, come up with the exact same concept and those fears were born out. And, and obviously, <laughs> as happens when your worst fears come true, you, you reassess your life, you change some fundamentals. And that's what I've done this time around. I've, I've come up with something which I think you can't possibly um have both done and if we've used the same music um, for this one I'll be thoroughly creeped out it'd be a really weird coincidence so So um, music okay interesting
0: Um, well without further ado then let's hear Jeremy's submission for Review
1: Wars episode 3 There's only so long you can spend wandering the Californian desert with the hot sun at your back, before you conclude that Fallout is a western. Oh sure, they've swapped Stetsons for Stimpaks and the Vault Dweller looks nothing like the archetypal western hero. But that's exactly what they are. Like a dozen different John Wayne characters, they're relied upon by a fledgling society to mediate with the wilderness. They head out into the wasteland and do exactly what is asked of them. They make sure that Vault 13 has a steady water supply and freedom from the oppression of super mutants. But they're changed by the process. The wild seeps into their bones like radiation and by the time they return home they're no longer welcome. Their way of life is considered wayward and dangerous, a bad example to fellow vault dwellers. Like John Wayne, they clear the way for civilization. but will never have a place in it. I'm here to tell you that you should do it all anyway. Fallout is a game in which you become stronger and stranger, more skilled and more intimidating, until the level of influence you wield over the wasteland is, frankly, a little scary. You may not particularly like this new version of you, ultimately, not even your mother will be able to meet your gaze, but you'll have seen the future of RPGs so probably won't miss her all that much. Some fallouts, but worth the cost. You bloody brilliant
0: bastard, Jeremy. (laughs) You've done it again. (laughs) I
1: I will say that um, that soundtrack makes absolutely anything sound grand. I I had to put in quite a bit of work to make sure I wasn't drowned out, because there's obviously, like, that's... That's something that really isn't compressed. Is the uh, the theme to the uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It starts uh, quiet and it ends incredibly loud. Mm, um, it's not like it's, the uh, uh, the just eat ads, isn't it? It's um, not, not a lot.
0: No. I love that. What was the last line? Some fallouts are worth it. That's yeah. clever. that's clever then, in ways that mine mine will never reach.
1: <laughs> I, I'm I'm glad you like that ending, but. In case you didn't, I've actually um, put together a, an alternate one. Um, <laughs> okay. I think, you know, I, I lost the last poll and gamers like um, being able to pick their own ending. So I thought this might give me a better shot of winning this time around. Absolute uh, scumbaggery this is. Absolute
0: absolutely. scumbaggery. All right, let's hear Jeremy's alternate ending to this episode's Review Wars then.
1: I'm here to tell you, it's all worth it. Fallout is a game in which you become stronger and stranger, more skilled and more intimidating, until the level of influence you wield over the wasteland is, frankly, a little scary. You may not particularly like this new version of yourself. Ultimately, not even your mother would be able to meet your gaze. My mother? Let me tell you about my mother. (laughs) Better? Worse?
0: I feel really silly that I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, this is going to sound oh. really strange to to those who haven't listened to the Blade Runner episode.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad that we spent five minutes directing people back to the episode that they've definitely already listened to now, because they <laughs> you need to to understand that alternate ending. Uh But yeah. that's more absolutely stellar work, Jeremy. That was uh, that was great, and also like. A very good, a very good bit of insight there. That Fallout is actually a Western. I hadn't considered that.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm always calling Game Secret Westerns. Uh, Death Stranding, too, I believe, is a Western. But, uh, Interesting. That's, that's an argument for another day. Mm. Right, it's your turn.
0: Well, I feel nervous. I can confirm that I haven't used the same song, nor is this <laughs> the same concept. It's a different concept because yours didn't rely on funny accents. Um, whereas, that you know, <laughs> mine will, will always shoehorn one end. I missed your American accent from before because I've been watching uh, *Knives Out* and *Glass Onion* with um, with that incredible, yeah. <laughs> that absolutely incredible Southern accent. And uh, by
1: God,
0: I do declare there's been a murder in here. Yeah, so,
1: f- uh, <laughs> folk on, leg <like> in <laughs> yeah. person.
0: It's, although I speak to my friend, she's from from Missouri, and she was like. Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. So you know, hush my mouth. Um, anyway, let's let's tee up this one. What was I thinking? I was thinking, how can I do a funny voice, and how can I do something that requires a bit of production, and also how can I shoehorn in the line, right? The Fallout nice. line, because yeah. that's my brand. Everyone expects me to go for the lowest common denominator, like the cheap, low-hanging fruit. Um, so, all of this informed what you're about to listen to now. So, without further ado, here's my submission for this episode of Review Wars. Vault Dweller. Yes, you. Well, what do you know, Joe? Boy, howdy, the new generation of young go-getter had better know his onions, because it's a new world out there, brimming with opportunities. Oh, maybe you're been out of shape about the whole world being blown up in a nuclear apocalypse. But don't be. As Socrates once said... The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And I believe in you, buddy, because you've got the strength, perception, endurance, charisma, intelligence, agility, and luck to take on the wastelands. You better believe it, buddy. You're special. Special. That's what they told me before they kicked me out of the vault and sent me here into the desert for a stupid water purifier. <laughs> strength. Yeah, the strength to take on rad scorpions and death claws with only a pistol and a sidekick who shoots at me as often as he shoots an enemy. We get by, but every battle takes its chunk out of us. Perception. Everyone here in this hinterland wants their pound of flesh from me. Go here, do this, click on those. The hardest part isn't doing it for them, it's remembering what they even wanted done in the first place. Damn journals, no help. I know someone wanted me to clear out this irradiated caravan, but who and why? Endurance. Any isometric RPG will test that. and interplay's post-nuclear vision is no different. By the time I found their damn water chip, 150 long, brown days had passed. Days that changed me forever. Charisma. <laughs> well, you only have to look at the results of the previous review wars to see the dice didn't land on a high number for me in that category. Intelligence. Well, you can talk your way out of a fight or two out here if you've got the smarts. Saves on bullets, I find. I know Ian prefers it. He gets very embarrassed about his aim. Before I left the vault, they told me I needed agility. But I didn't know how much. Power armour, energy weapons, lockpicks, sneaking. I can't do any of it. And luck. Luck. (laughs) Well... You might find the odd flying saucer out here if karma's smiling on you. But whichever way you slice it, if you're living out here, you're living in a war. And you know what they say about a war? War is fucking shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so there we go. A few things have occurred to me as I was listening to it back. Like, why would a review in the 90s in a games mag reference... Um, a previous episode of, of Review Wars you know but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've got to go with these things and I'm pretty sure that that last line will be subbed out
2: um,
1: <laughs> oh that was a very good last line
0: also what I would say as well I think if I was an editor I'd be like is this going to be a favourable review or not because I, it actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm going to slate it isn't it uh, and I think I was just going for that sort of grizzled tone that survivors have. World was actually... weary, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's like it was great, it was a good game.
1: Great <laughs> contrast, and uh, I like the the music at the beginning. Um, reminded me a little of a YouTube trend of a little while back, where um, people would mix songs to sound like they were playing in like an empty mall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that was quite good. That I quite enjoyed that. So you'd hear like "Take on Me." But in a sort of very reverb-heavy and and slightly distant way.
0: Yeah, slowed and reverb. It's a bit like Simpsons Wave and um, uh, what's the other wave? But yeah, you know, like Macintosh Plus.
1: Yeah, there was a there was another um, trend about stuff sounding like it's played in the next room, which I always Mm. think is quite a soothing, uh, you know, soothing listen. But yeah, that was that was. That was really great, and um, uh, he got through every every skill in the game, every every special um, <laughs> point, so that was good. Tried and my best. I, I, yeah. Ian, mate, oh, God. The, he, oh. He's taken chunks out of all of us. <laughs> you didn't hand, in, hand, in him, a, hand in him an Uzi, did you? Cause, uh, no, you know. it was only ever a handgun for Ian. You can't spell
0: liability without Ian. You can't. Don't think about that too much. Don't go back and check. You
1: can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't use uh, "war never changes" because I'm not. I know it's a, a Fallout tradition, but I'm not sure about it. Like, what does it mean? Mm,
0: yeah, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and also, like, I think that really died a death by the time of the Fallout Four reviews because so many reviewers had used it in reviewing Fallout Three that it was just like social death to, to use yeah. it. And it occurred to everybody. Um So I just thought, well, I've got to, you know. Um, apologies yeah. anyone listening out there who did use it in a review or, or tweeted it. And,
1: and, Particularly and, when a, a series is starting to stagnate a little bit. It's not really the, um, the sort of series catchphrase you want, is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was uh, it was a little bit too appropriate for Fallout 4. Yeah. Um, but there we go. So um, once again, our, our podcast parents will put up a poll. Jesus, that's a hell of a line. <laughs> Hope the old uh, pop filter's up to that one on my mic there. Our podcast parents will put up a poll uh, for you to vote uh, for your favourite one, and uh, just you know, keep in mind that our tiny, delicate, fragile egos lay in your hands when you do. And um, yeah,
1: you know, fine. fine. They'll be on. They'll be on Twitter. That poll. <laughs>
0: It will, and we'll be announcing the results of that in the next episode. Um,
1: So, Jeremy, let's move
0: on. Um, Let's talk about our recollections of this game and also our modern um, playthroughs in the last few weeks of it. So, uh, firstly, how much of a fan are you of the franchise in general, I guess? Like, you were playing Fallout to psych yourself up for Fallout 3, and I think that's probably most people's entry point to the franchise at this point. So looking at the, the franchise as a whole with New Vegas and 4 and 3, Tactics and 2, um, how engaged with you in it are you? I didn't mention 76. I'm going to st- still not mention 76. Um, yeah. Mm. I guess what I'm asking is, do you like Fallout?
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very into it. I, like, I came out of that period of like loving Fallout 1 and then Fallout 3 surprised me in in really great ways you know there was sort of Deus Ex influence in there that nobody was really expecting and uh you know you could do proper sort of first person stealth and all this kind of thing and yet it also was a full RPG with the um you know these sort of smart little hacking mini games it felt it felt like it had so much going on with it and uh, and felt like a classic PC game even though I was playing it on a on a console um and i you know i I love fallout 4 as well because there had been a long gap but i couldn't help but notice that you know not an awful lot had had changed in the interim you know apart from the addition of like a sort of construction system um so i think i think i'm with a lot of people and feeling a sort of uh, a sense of fatigue about it at this stage um
2: yeah,
0: I I agree massively, and I you wonder what they're going to have to do in order to meet that insane demand, um, and keep it fresh, keep it feeling like fallout in the next game. It seems like they've painted themselves into a bit of a corner by releasing um, three New Vegas and four in what was actually quite quick succession.
1: I guess there must have been a long gap between. New Vegas and four, right? But it I don't know, at this yeah. stage there was a it was pretty um seventy six by Bethesda standards was hot on the heels of um of Fallout Four and New Vegas was hot on the heels of three. Like I know that I was you know, the fact I didn't play New Vegas at the time, despite it being from, you know, a load of developers I loved as an obsidian game was entirely down to the fact I'd played hundred and fifty hours of Fallout three, not you know, yeah. shortly prior.
0: And there's also Skyrim in there. Maybe that's why it doesn't feel like quite such a gap for me, because probably if you're the type to put 150 hours into Fallout Three or New Vegas, then you're gonna spend a fair bit of time in Skyrim as well, and you start to Yeah you start to see the seams of everything. You start to see the inner workings and you're like, Oh yeah, I noticed that asset. I can see the modular tool set here at work and I can see all the little bits that make up dungeons and how they're being applied. And then you can see that that's obviously how, uh, how four is made as well. Yeah. Um, Something about the texture work as well. Just, yeah. um, Didn't seem like a a little
1: tired of the dodgy animations and all this kind of thing. But, um, you know, 76 was quite bold in some ways, you know, but it's sort of a, a failed experiment in, in the sense that, you know, now Bethesda have introduced NPCs to it and more traditional quests where previously they had this conviction that any any human in the landscape you would know was another player. Uh, and um and I don't know, people found that a bit odd, understandably. You know, it was a it mm-hmm. was a world where always the action had happened just over the next hill and, you know, the people you were Chasing after or hoping to catch up with you knew you never would in your quest line because there weren't any people in the world, um, apart from players. And I did have some really um, cool interactions with players in Fallout seventy six. Like it's quite an unusually friendly community. You know, it's not a voice chat game, or at least it's a. I can't remember whether it's possible, but it's unusual to have voice chat in that game and people communicate through things like um you know found notes so like you know bits of environmental storytelling that bethesda popped around the world i would have people show up at my um the little sort of um riverside uh hut that's not uh not fair in fact m- my partner put a lot of work into the uh to the designer of that place <laughs> uh it was a good good little house and, and players would show up and they would you know they would talk to us through like drop notes and would show them to the water purifier we had our back and they'd, they'd go on the way with some um some non-radiated uh sustenance so that was a good time but um the formula has remained the same underneath for a long long time so even though I have a a full bobblehead on this desk right now. Do you indeed? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um I think really c- coming back and playing Fallout one again is the, the thing that has kind of revived my enthusiasm for the series for the first yeah, time. Yeah, well, well I was just going to ask,
0: yeah, if you're if you're jaded by all the modern brown uh slightly janky animated ones, then um yeah, what was it like to go back to this first one, turn-based and Yeah, janky isometric. Sorts of
1: Different ways. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah, it's, it, it is a, a fantastic antidote to, um, uh, you know, a lot of modern RPGs in that it's very respectful of your time for that one. Like, there, there may be like three dungeons in this game and each of them, if you manage to kind of delve them, will yield some kind of fundamental revelations about what's going on in this world what the you know the conspiracy is behind the, the sudden appearance of super mutants and and all this kind of uh central story stuff mm. there really isn't any um any filler in this game and that's partly down to the way it's structured you know like it's um you have these sort of discrete areas um, you know isometric maps like you would in a boulders gate. Um, but when you explore between them, you're on an overworld map so and you see time passing but you don't have your time wasted by sort of interim, mostly empty areas you know like it's um I felt like every time I touched down somewhere in this game, I was able to change something about it. I was able to kind of learn about a place. And have a real impact on it in some form and then move on somewhere else. So it feels like in a genre that's, you know, has often sold itself on choice and consequence, this is one of the few that really delivers on that. Like minute by minute, there's there are like meaningful ways that you can alter the communities and the, you know, the places that you're passing through yeah and even the
0: character creator is uh a lot more profound in its effects than well than i remembered and also much more than like a modern so you know if you have an intelligence of zero uh then you don't you're unable to talk you're not just you don't just come across as dumb
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: physically cannot speak to anybody you go the entire playthrough um without the ability to converse and that obviously profoundly changes how you approach the game um and so yeah the the special system's pretty um pretty radical in that way you can you know I'll, I'll be honest i've only ever played it with somebody who's like pretty intelligent and pretty strong um because that's quite an easy an easy ride of it but like you can create some really unusual and challenging builds that just force you to play the game in very specific ways and there's a satisfaction that comes with that in itself
1: yeah it's funny I initially started this time with a low intelligence character I thought oh this will be interesting I've never done this before pretty quickly I decided I didn't want to do that because there are so many interesting conversation options that become available to you otherwise and it's not a game that shouts about it you know it doesn't have in the sort of the dialogue box; it doesn't tell you. Oh, you could have said this if you were smart. Yeah, I just don't know how, how you would go about
0: achieving so much. You know, you mentioned the the revelation about the super mutants. I guess just a quick spoiler warning because we will be getting into some plot elements and and a yeah. few uh, of the big reveals. But like, that's a pivotal moment in the game when somebody tells you that the super mutants are all infertile, and you go down this sort of narrative path um exploring the origins of the of the super mutants that eventually leads you to the master how would that happen if you can't speak to them <laughs> i don't understand i mean i i guess the answer is to to play it and find out but um it's yeah it's mad that the and they must have known that just a fraction of players would ever choose to uh to spec up a, a low intelligence character and yet yeah. they must have had to you know make sure that the entire game is uh feasible like that and and the same goes for somebody who's like who's got crazy luck for example there are random encounters that happen if you're really lucky uh like the the flying saucer the the encounter with the aliens you get like a crazy alien blaster that i think is the most powerful weapon in the game and you only get that if your luck skill is is really high
1: i assume that was a Fallout Uh, sort of mm. zany edition. I didn't realize that that was a, a thing in this uh, in this one. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's a load of content that I. You know, we always love this, right? Like, there seems to be the three line in most of the games that we that we both like is that the developers have toiled away for hours on stuff that most people will never discover. It's just like yeah. such, it's such a mark of um, um, a, a badge of honor for a particular type of game, isn't it? To do that, but uh, yeah, and that you know that that begins with the special system. And it continues all the way through the game's design. I, I actually felt like the it's the beginning and the end are spectacular. It's got one of the great beginnings in all games, even up to this date, because and it's so good that Fallouts three and four found it perfectly appropriate to mirror it, you know, by and large. Yeah. It's such an engaging way of introducing you to a really fleshed out and thought about world that's gone through this cataclysmic change, and then the ending is—I I just found the ending absolutely bewitching and wonderful. That the design of characters when you're speaking to them, you're talking to like a—I think what's actually like a stop motion claymation. Yeah, model.
1: there is there is a claymation uh, expert credited in the in the, yeah. on
0: the game. I noticed so. And the design of some of those characters is just—it's haunted me for like since since I was since I was eleven. Like the design of the Master is like uh, it's like an, it's just like a nightmare. It's an he's an incredible character. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's got it's got these incredible bookends, and then I found in the middle. And also, I just enjoyed when you do get to somewhere new when you go to like a, a facility that's great. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is so different to the brown that I've been looking at for the last 18 hours. (laughs) It feels like a real accomplishment. But I did find that in the middle, um, I just had a real problem, like, not even remembering where to go, but just knowing, figuring out what the game wanted me to do next and how to go about that. And, like, I'd have a look in the Pip-Boy and there wasn't really much. And it obviously it wants you to, like, instead engage with the game and listen to what everybody says and all that, you know, all that stuff that we say we like, but we don't really like. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I I spent a lot of time actually just floundering um, and like retreading, uh, which, you know, I, I've got a I've got a apportion at least half the blame there to me. Um, but, yeah, the. I was really playing it for the beginning and the ending, and the rest of it was a means to an end.
1: <laughs> mm, sure. Well, I mean, the, of the beginning and ending are obviously very striking. That's kind of what inspired my approach to the review war this time. But, mm. um, yeah, I don't know whether I kind of half remembered, you know, where certain things were that would push the the story forward, but I, uh, I, I, I didn't flounder so much this time. Um I do know that like a really controversial element of this game, which is the timer, right? Mm. Um and I think that um I can't remember whether when whether it was when I spoke to them or somebody else did, but the you know, the lead developer said have since said, you know, there's one thing we would have changed about this game is to get rid of the timer, which is um initially the fault you're coming from is water purifier is is broken down and yeah there's a there's essentially a countdown until everyone you know and love is is going to die of dehydration so you've got to go out in the world and you've got to find one of those and bring it back within
0: uh,
1: i can't remember how many days it is maybe 150 days 150 um which can actually sort of um, fly by if you do a lot of meandering back and forth on the overworld um i sort of i'm I'm sort of a defender of it. I really <laughs> like the like subversion of the the typical RPG thing, which is time doesn't move until you do basically everything waits for you and yeah. that's there's a comfort in that like that's part of why the genre is such effective comfort food. You can always come back to something later, um, but uh, yeah, there's something special and um, strange about the the sense that you have a duty and that you've got to find a solution to this thing, and it leads to a certain desperation. So I, I, there, are, um, yeah, we'll get into spoiler territory a little bit, but you come across this ghoul inhabited city um so the you know the ghouls in fallout being people are radiated to the point where most of them still have their faculties about them but they are the sort of living oddly extended lives while you know looking like their faces are falling apart and they they have a water purifier you know they have the chip that you need and you can go in there and you can take it and you can leave the ghouls to death basically and there's a way to to repair a you know sort of a well system so you can make sure that you're not leaving them with nothing but i think that the sort of the pressure the timer is what leads you to you know as a player it's quite feasible that you might go well i just need this you know Mm. I need this for my people, so I'm going to take it. I'm sorry, and be out of there because you know you've only got you know 30 days left or whatever, and you don't know how you're going to come up with another solution. Um, or it might lead you to kind of you know the uh, ingenuity of, of kind of going to the hub, the sort of caravan town, and and going, okay, there are water merchants here. You know, maybe I can strike a deal with them, and that'll buy me some time to go and find this chip. So I, I like that um, that setup and the fact that it's real. You know things happen, and it's not just the the um, the water chip thing either. You know if you muck about too long in the wasteland, the super mutants will start. Um, you know there'll be consequences for settlements around the place uh, because you haven't dealt with the the main threat. You know, so there's. Um, there's a sense of responsibility and consequence to this game, which I think is kind of defining.
0: Um, I I do love a game that has, that that seems to be operating on a time that's independent of you. Like the classic example is, and I don't really like this game so much, but it is the poster boy for this um, deadly premonition. Like Mm. every NPC in that town has a daily routine and it's quite involved. Um, and you can sort of get to know people's patterns and just follow them around. And then they just seem to be living quite rich lives that are completely independent of you. And if you need them to further a particular quest and they're out, you've just got to wait. <laughs> you know, yeah. if they pop down the diner, you've either got to know that they're at the diner because they always go to the diner at three on a Thursday or you just got to wait for them to come back. Um, and, you know, if they, if the rest of the game wasn't awful, terrible junk... Um, then you know that that would be uh, a good thing. I've never, have never really liked deadly premonition, but I do like that design principle. Um, I like to see it elsewhere. I think Final Fantasy XIII: Lightning Returns also has a similar system, and there's a big time pressure on achieving your objective because I think the citizens of the t- have you played this one? Can you help me out with this? No, there's like you're a on your Groundhog own. Day element. I think there's a. It all operates on a 24-hour clock. They're trapped in time by a sinister force that's probably something to do with crystals uh because it's final fantasy i'm i'm remembering like a, with 10% clarity this but <laughs> but again you have to get to know people's routines there's a lot of effort gone into programming AI so that, you know, they they uh, have the appearance of living lives and you intercept them at certain points and you manipulate time to make certain things happen to, um, to meet certain quest conditions. So that's always great. Um, and yeah, I like that in this as well. I think depending on the version that you play, that timer has been removed. So if you play yeah. Fallout Fixed, which has a lot of um, like modern... Mod cons like being able to scroll the inventory. Um, I think that timer was removed. I think they might have patched it out on release. Yeah, I
1: think um, I think you're
0: right. I think they did pretty, but obviously, pretty quickly. Yeah, but at people, that time, like,
1: yeah, people didn't patch.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it would have been a very small amount of people who it would have even occurred to to search for a patch, yeah, and then let alone like correctly install it so the version that i played was the original game disc and i didn't patch it so the timer was in effect there's also another timer which is a bit more abstract it's a 500 day timer and i think that kicks in from the moment that you get the water purifier and it's about when the super mutants come and ransack everything and destroy your your vault community yeah Um, but that's a long time it's 500 days
1: yeah, that's I've I've never reached that, but yeah, there's there's an obvious downside to that, right? Of like, oh, somebody's been using the same save for uh, forty hours or whatever, and then they realise that it's too late for them to actually complete the game. You know, nobody yeah. wants to be in that <laughs> yeah.
0: situation. So that happened to me with Dead Dead Rising. Oh, really? First Dead Rising, you know, because it's that's that's another one. I mean. It's not very sophisticated in terms of how time operates, but you do just have—is it seventy-two hours—and you need to rescue as many NPCs as you can, and that they appear based on the time of day and certain enemies and things, you know. And um, anyway, you just have to be uh, on the on the roof of the mall. You have to be on the helipad at a certain, like you know, at the end of the time, or otherwise it just leaves without you. And um, yeah. somehow it just left without me. <laughs> and that was, that was my save game done. Oh, nice. <laughs> Just to start again.
1: <laughs> Insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess the, about that. the flip side of that stuff in Fallout is something that many RPGs have mimicked since. Um, the sort of post-ending scene where you get to see what's happened mm. individually to these different settlements that you've been involved in. And, you know, depending on certain actions you've taken or haven't taken, quests you completed, people you might have killed, um, you know, they'll have different fates. Uh, some of that is balked. Like, I I didn't find out about, about this Fallout fixed mod until after I played. Um, but there's at least one faction in the game that you can't actually save without, um, you know, because the, the quest line that would Who's allow that? you... Um, so they're a tiny group called the Followers of the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, and they're in New Vegas as well. I found them in there, but they're like um, they they're big on preservation of knowledge as opposed to preservation of weaponry, which is the Brotherhood of Steel's thing. Wow. Um, and they, you know, they they have a spy inside the um, the uh, cathedral, um, which turns out to be a sort of crucial. You know, there's a cult and that that may or may not be linked to the you know the big threat in the world and so they they can kind of help you in in there and and actually the by reminding me where i needed to go to actually find you know the master the, the pig bad and i'm not sure how long it would have taken me without <laughs> without her, her assistance so yeah. i would have liked to have helped them but unfortunately the quest line for, to do that uh, doesn't exist in the game's release so that was oh. unfortunate for them but like I can't think of a game before this, so it's certainly the first one I was aware of that had that um you know gave you that that sense that you'd that you'd swan through all these places and that you'd had an impact on them and you and you got to see that after the fact and you know feel some pride and feel some guilt and just a curious and fascinating mix of emotions right at the end of the game,
0: yeah, very satisfying epilogue um. Dragon Age carried that over, didn't it? Dragon Age likes yeah. a big epilogue that shows you every individual decision and gives you a little cutscene, however, uh, <clears throat> however trivial. What did you make of the combat, though? Right, because like as we've alluded to, so much of Fallout is is baked into this original game and has expanded out. Even the even the factions, right? the Brotherhood of Steel, are in this game, and they're you know they're basically philosophically unchanged from from one all the way through to four. But what has changed that this is um, a turn-based isometric rpg uh with hex tiles and sidekicks um so how did you get on with the fights themselves
1: i quite i had a good time with it this time around but i it does require you to be quite forgiving uh the the you know i i kind of i i pulled points in uh in uh melee weapons and managed to get older some power armor and a, a big sledgehammer so that was quite satisfying and things tended to go well for me uh, you know the deeper <laughs> i got into the game yeah. but um one of the frustrations is, is with the companions and mm. um you can through the bartering system which is i'd I'll, I'll, I'll like to come back to because it's unexpectedly important and, and cool but you can you can give weapons and and stuff and stim packs to your companion, uh, who is invariably Ian. I think <laughs> a bloke. That,
0: <laughs> I had Ian. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a bloke that you meet in Shady Sands, the first uh, the first village that you pass through, and um, and either need to pay him or not, depending on how high your your sort of uh, charisma or persuasion skill is, um, but. Um, you can't give them armor. This is a thing. <laughs> you can pass. Mm. You can you pass them weapons and uh, and stim You can throw them over the fence through the bartering menus, and they'll they will use the most powerful thing they're capable of using in battle. But they, you know, at a certain well, point. Well, I
0: I didn't even find that Ian did that all the time. I found that Ian very much would do his own thing when it came to which weapon he selected for. It might just be fists. He might just Mm. go in fist, he'd have a perfectly good pistol, and he'd have ammo, it just um, but then, we're we're playing different versions of the game, but uh, yeah, certainly in the original disc, Ian was just an absolute loose cannon.
1: Yeah, and uh, the deeper you get into the game, the more sort of consequential it is, the fact that he's like running around basically in a Leather jacket and jeans, you know, coming up against plasma rifles and laser weapons. And you literally and also,
0: see. also, a lot of people in leather jackets and jeans, exactly like Ian. So oh, yeah, look, so surrounded by people yeah.
1: that are the same model as Ian. Yeah. In the early game, yeah, it's, it's, it's Ian's versus Ian's, yeah. But um, once you're coming up against super mutants, and, and I was there in my power armor, and, and that felt quite, you know, that brings you up to about the same size as a super mutant. That feels right. And But I had a point where the Brotherhood of Steel offered me a second set of power armor, and I had to say, well, no thanks, because Ian doesn't know how to put it on. But that would have been incredibly useful, you know? Um, and so a lot of the late-game battles were defined by me figuring out how to draw fire from Ian and Dogmeat the dog he was determined to bring through to the end um because they, you know they'd just get torn in half very quickly i could take i could take a real pummeling but they couldn't take any damage whatsoever really so i figured out that the enemy ai attacks whoever hit them last so i had to try and make sure uh you know <laughs> you, you I were get drawing the last all hit the attention.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah meat has got a terrible habit of uh running through armed laser doors i find oh um, god yeah there's a lot of a lot of quick saving involved in keeping uh, he and ian uh, alive yeah um yeah you you do have to be super forgiving i think uh i've never been massively into turn based well certainly not until divinity and then that just did it so well because there were always so many status modifiers available on on each arena of battle you know you could shoot an oil barrow barrow shoot an oil (laughs) barrel um and then you know cause some fire effects or you could there was just always something to do that made you feel like you were really clever and obviously divinity came quite a few decades after this but given that that's the game that i'd spent the most time in turn-based combat with i was looking around for like other ways to be smart and and there aren't really that's not really how it works in Fallout it's a combination of the special system you know your character stats the weapons that you've found uh and the sidekicks and and you know that they really form the variables of each combat encounter and yeah. by modern standards that's not very many variables so you end up having a lot of quite similar encounters and some quite frustrating ones where you know ian might shoot you or and this is another good reason to quick save often. Ian might shoot um, a friendly, he might shoot an NPC in a town and then the whole town's against you and you've, you oh, can't ever go to that town again. Um, <laughs> which actually did happen to me in, in Divinity as uh-huh. well. So it's not just a fallout uh-huh. problem, but I remember uh, like in Seal in, in Divinity 1, I had, a, I had a little like side hustle going where I would steal people's paintings because mm. a lot of those paintings were pretty valuable around the houses of Sicily. Oh, but anyway, yeah, they're,
1: they're fun to pull off the wall, aren't they? They just kind of shrink down <laughs> into inventory. They're
2: huge.
0: Oh, they're good, and and you can sell them like almost instantly. You get back out into that little market area with the,
1: you know, the woman that's going. Let's see, halibut, sheep's cheese. Yeah, um, and there's the other fellow who's going. In. No man is as happy as the man with many cheeses.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or well, the guy is like, Scythe seal, Scythe shiver me timbers and slippery heels. I actually really dislike the NPCs in this. It's like playing a pantomime for 140 hours. <laughs> it's really obnoxious. Anyway, um, so, but anyway, one day somebody caught me stealing their painting and just like set about me. But then what happened is everybody in Scythe attacked me. Yeah. Which, like, in, Which takes in, about at the best two hours times, per
1: turn, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> at the best of times, that would be an inconvenience. But you've just got to watch 300 NPCs taking two steps towards you every turn. Yeah. It's infuriating. Um, and yeah. that also happens to a smaller extent in Fallout. So, um, yeah, quick save all the time. Because Ian is bound to bloody shoot somebody and send everybody against you. And then you've got to watch them all inch their way towards you. And that's yeah. what's
1: important. It's funny you mentioned divinity and and you're right in fallout the combat is a lot simpler and and there's a lot less clever and and silly combining of uh, elements that you can do but I got really into this this time through Fallout the reverse pickpocket right which a lot of fallout players know about because Fallout 3 made quite a big deal of it like there was achievements based on it where you could sneak sneak up on someone pickpocket them and obviously you can take stuff off the person but you can put stuff back as well uh. and you could pop a grenade in there and uh they'd be none the wiser until they uh until they exploded a short while later and and fallout one is the you know the origin point of that idea this barter system which you know let you trade anything for anything in um you know, with a merchant or pretty much any character, right? You can choose to battle with almost anyone. Um, But uh, it's also the same menu that's used for companions, managing their inventory, and also for pickpocketing. And so I got really into the um, dynamite,
2: which you can (laughs) set timers on. And
1: uh, and these really sort of high concept indirect kills, which almost felt sort of like immersive simi. Yeah, where I was, um, there was uh, the it's door guards that really got it in the neck, or rather, you know, the, the necks and every other part of them exploded <laughs> outwards. But um, uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, I was, I was kind of quick saving my way to figuring out. Okay, so this door guard in, uh, in, uh, in the hub, who's um, guarding the, um, he's called Dexter. who's the sort of gang boss there. Well. He needs, he's a tough guy. And I, I worked out I needed three sticks of dynamite to blow him up. So I, I like set all the ind- individual timers on my sticks of dynamite. And you can see him like the red lights flashing on them in your inventory. If you don't get him out quick enough, you go. You know, that's it for you. <laughs> and yeah, I was pickpocketing yeah. this guy and stuff, in, like emptying his pockets of uh, weapons and bottle caps and, and filling him up with, uh, with bombs. And then wandered over the other side of town and uh and just kind of waited for um for for uh for the you know the the booms the three booms yeah. <laughs> and uh and saw him get and get torn apart and um, you think
0: after the first one he might try and empty his pockets at least
1: yeah he ran out into the street so I, I was able to see it it was uh it was messy but um but you know, like th- the game is smart enough or systemic enough to to let you get away with that because nobody sees mm. you do it and you're over the other side of town. And I, I was really pushing it further. Like there's-, there's one stealth, there's one Thieves Guild quest in this game, which I've never found before. You know, the idea that there's a Thieves Guild in Fallout World is quite strange, but it involves stealing a necklace from a, from a mansion in the hub. And and there was an unfortunate door guard there as well. But that map was too small for me to kind of escape the consequences of, you know, there was nowhere I could go. That was far enough away that people didn't go. This guy's just exploded. And there's, there's a bloke standing on that corner over there who we've never seen before. It was probably him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I figured out if I, if I stuck, um, plastic explosives on this fella left the map and came back the game remembered that I'd stuck this bomb on him set a timer and even though it would unloaded the level when I came back it was a smear on the pavement and I could uh, safely Hello. break into this mansion so there's this yes. really like deep and quite janky but very impressive level of like systemic nonsense which feels very like sort of divinity and deus Exy in this
0: oh yeah on on that divinity comparison as well i i wanted to really sort of nail my uh colors to the mast on on its tone of voice because it's it's tongue-in-cheek in in a similar way to divinity but whereas i find it like nails down a blackboard in the divinity games which i nonetheless have spent many many happy hours with I think Fallout pulls off that slightly, I guess you'd call it zany tone um, much more successfully. And I don't mean zany as a pejorative. I think it really, I don't know. There's just a lot of like, there's a lot of like colliding elements like 50s kitsch and like outlandish sci-fi. And like a lot of the NPCs have... You have some. You end up having some really bizarre conversations with the NPCs, <laughs> and like, and it's it's somehow it's all coherent. There are all these disparate elements and disparate influences and tones of voice, but the humor is like just infrequent enough that you can still see Fallout as a kind of gritty survival experience. Uh, but it's just it's just there to kind of nudge you along, and it. it it gives you this enthusiasm it like it, it's got an infectious enthusiasm for itself like i remember i was reading in the in the run up to this i was reading the original story for the game that they proposed it's absolute nonsense it's like it's completely bonkers <laughs> you're you're transported to the past because you find a pair of like uh radioactive underpants that are hit by lightning and you go back to the past there's a monkey involved Wow. you have to do a bunch of things in the past to affect your future and it's like it sounds like a like Brandon Fraser movie blast from the past right <laughs> um like it sounds like ITV2 sunday night sort of fair um but somehow that tone of voice is carried over into fallout really successfully in a way that doesn't make me sort of clench my fists and and ball up my um yeah my cheeks um, i think it's so, um, fair play it's- fallout
1: yeah, I think it's helped by the, the sort of brevity of the dialogue as well. It's I was surprised by how unshowy it is. You know, like Divinity, especially that first one, is very big on puns and alliteration and stuff. Oh, God, and, yeah. Yeah. and, you know, Obsidian games and, um, you know, the likes of Disco Elysium are very sort of prose heavy, very mm. literary. Fallout's not very literary at all. No. It's very simple. Like, lo- what's imp- impressive and and fun to play with is all the possible permutations of the dialogue, but people speak very simply to you in this game. You know, it's yeah, not absolutely, um, it's not indulgent in that way. And I think that's a characteristic of Blacker, <laughs> Planescape aside, notable exception. But like Icewind Dale mm-hmm. as well, very sort of like um, concise. Loads of story to dig into if you want to, but it's not. Um, it it doesn't just kind of hold forth and mm-hmm. and hold you hostage with dialogue yeah. um and that's still kind of an impressive thing even though places it is sort of patchy and there are typos and things like that it's obviously a game made by by very few people but um overall like it's um again it's that sort of like, respect for your time and a rare rpg that sort of actually make a beeline for the things that you're really interested in if that's what you want to do
0: it does respect your time, doesn't it? Uh, on the on the, as one more bit of gameplay nonsense that I wanted to bring up, I wanted to ask you, Jeremy, whether you um, indulged in the casino exploit or not. So the there's a, there's an NPC exploit. that you meet midway through the game called uh, Gizmo.
1: Gizmo, who, I remember uh, him well. He's got an incredible set of animations, hasn't he? Because he never leaves <laughs> his desk, and he's at such a such a scale that you get the impression that he couldn't leave his desk. even in in combat he just sort of sits from behind it and fires with his pistol Um, and uh, that's that's a good use of the reverse pickpocket there you can plant a bug on him Ah. Um, but no I'm not aware of the exploit
0: Okay, so so yeah so Gizmo runs a casino Um, if you work up your gosh is it your luck Uh, you basically have to work up one skill to above 50 um and you will win more often than you than you lose. If you work it up to sixty, then you can make you can break the economy like instantly in one visit to the casino. Um <laughs> and and thereby you've just got limitless cash and, and well, limitless bloody irradiated bottle caps. So and then you can buy anything in, in, in the whole game and yeah, it's quite it's a very tempting exploit if you if you know about it, because why wouldn't you give yourself free money forever? But uh, apparently, you're uh, you're simply more ethical than that, and it never occurred to you.
1: Well, I just picked a fight with the um, dodgy loans guy in the hub, and oh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he he um, he's certainly no longer with us. But I got two thousand caps <laughs> out of it, and that set me. You know, I was set for a little while then, uh, at least until the late game when those you know money wasn't there. So much of an issue. So that was uh, that was how I dealt with that problem.
0: Sure. Well, sounds very effective.
1: Mm. Did you um? Did you get to see inside the Brotherhood in uh, the No, prison?
0: I didn't. I didn't meet the Brotherhood.
1: No, that's a funny one, isn't it? Because the first time I played it, I I, I found the bunker, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't ever get in there. And this time, I did. Um, but yeah, you mentioned earlier, like oh, they're kind of you know they're sort of unchanged over the games. But a realization for me this time has been actually they work. They were pretty different um, organization back in the day. Like mm. Fallout Three um, Brotherhood are sort of very sort of you know they're interventionist, aren't they? They're out in the wasteland, they're picking fights with super mutants. They're you know trying to improve the lot of. Um, of uh of survivors in general the lot that you find in uh in california couldn't be <laughs> couldn't be less bothered about the rest of the wasteland like they send you down a, an irradiated pit and say you know just bring something back to show us that you were there and it becomes apparent that they just tell people to do that to get them off the back you know because they're sick of people showing up at the door mm excited by the power armor and the and the exciting weapons i remember that
0: that bit there yeah yeah
1: they're just holders really that's that's what they're about they they're pulling in all the weapons and fancy armor of the wasteland to sit on it and they haven't really figured out a a, you know a third step for what (laughs) what comes afterwards they're not you know they're not the heroes of the wasteland and you can sort of get them involved in the um in the main quest but it's very grudging about it they they have a like check in and out system for the <laughs> for the weapons and armor and they then you know you basically have to deal with the master by yourself um and to bethesda's credit like they do um you know the chapter in fallout 3 is a sort of like has um, broken off from the main one like they've sort of been disavowed because they uh because they're too helpful essentially <laughs> the hq back in california is like we don't we don't understand what what you're about why you keep trying to make things better for people honestly we all we care is that you find some fancy tech uh, yeah. while you're <laughs> out there on the east coast um so the, you know bethesda obviously decided they they wanted the brotherhood to be more sort of vanilla heroes mm. uh, to a degree. Yeah. And they did kind of account for that, but um, it's interesting to see. Like, there are there are no heroes in um, Black Isle's imagining of um, of a post apocalyptic world.
0: No, very rarely. It's 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 playing my mind, so I've just got to revisit the uh, the gambling exploit. The skill is actually a, a bespoke gambling skill that you um
1: that you oh, increase
0: <laughs> the, the more, a the more gambling you gamble.
1: Skill. Oh god, there's so many skills. They're definitely like near redundant skills
0: aren't there in this game. Yeah, uh, I, d- I don't even know how many there are, but um yeah, there's a gambling skill. You get that above yeah. 50% and you'll win more often than you than you lose and then you can you can break the economy. <laughs> that makes um, sense. So so that's fallout then from 1997. Um we we had better decide whether it's getting uh, uh tried and convicted in 90s games court or whether it's uh, acquitted and celebrated as part of the great pantheon of uh, foundational 90s uh, PC games. So um, I wonder whether we might actually fall down on different sides this time for the first time in the series, Jeremy. But where, yeah. where's your head at with this one?
1: Well, yeah, it seems to me like you'd recommend the, the first um, 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes, and maybe not so much the <laughs> 30 or 40 hours in between. Whereas I'm quite keen on the on the middle bit, Um Yeah, I guess I sort of, um, I guess it can vary a lot on playthrough, can't it? I think I I looked out and I I remembered certain things and and I had quite a nice flow to my time with Fallout, so it was relatively frictionless, whereas, you know, if I'd had the experience that you'd had, it sounds like there's a lot more meandering and you notice the sort of emptiness of parts of the world more so during that kind of experience, right?
0: I don't think I helped myself by playing Elden Ring at the same time. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself now, like, do I want to incarcerate the game? You know, it's a, it's someone's life we're talking about here. Like, should they be thrown in jail just because I didn't like the middle bit? And I, you know, I still I still liked the middle bit. I was just, like, propelling myself forwards towards the end because I remembered it being, being cool. And I sort of felt like, as well, getting the water chip was the end, and I forgot that that wasn't the end. No. So that was a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> so I I don't think I can really level these as failings of the game. I think this is more the energy that I brought to it. Um so many aspects of it hold up so well. I you know the I think the art direction it speaks for itself because it's used almost verbatim every bit of text in every Fallout game is the same shade of bright green on a black yeah. background. The pit boy is there. The blue boil, uh, boiler suit is there. You know, the design of the vaults. Rad everything. Scorpions. Rad Death yeah. Claws. Well, the, yeah, the Death Claws apparently were, uh, they had begun work on a and d game and they'd started making the, um, like the clay models to, oh, to make sure. the sprites out of. So it's, a, it's actually a D&D universe creature. But then they cancelled that game and they were like, call it a Death Claw? Yeah. Um, I mean so, and so
1: every NPC you, you speak to about death causing poor arts just kind of goes uh, we we don't know we, have, we haven't got yeah, the first yeah. clear one of these
0: <laughs> don't know what they used to be <laughs> how they got irradiated to look like that but yeah, stay away yeah. from
2: them we got um, from...
0: so I think just on the grounds of its story, its concept, how engaging that was and remains the visual design the special system and again a little bit of trivia what was the original system it had a very silly name was it Ups? GURPS. It was, Is it was GURPS? GURPS. yeah it was borrowing a, a different system um and the creator of gurps uh saw a prototype of fallout and hated it because it was really really <laughs> violent um and gurps was created to sort of give designers a bit of freedom to not have to make violent games, and so they couldn't use GURPS anymore, and so they knocked up Special instead. Um, <laughs> but anyway, all of those things have endured, and they continue to inform really popular and sometimes quite good games. Um, so I just don't think I can throw it in jail on those grounds. I think I was just playing too many annoyingly freeform games at once, and so I will fall down in the case of the defence uh, yeah. for Fallout as well.
1: Good. Good, yeah. I think, despite all the many allowances I was making for it, you know, the times that doors broke because I'd exploded a guy next to them, or (laughs) Ian was was cut in half by a laser beam yet again. I uh...
0: (laughs) oh, Ian. Ian's the perfect name for him, isn't it? As well, slightly hapless,
1: (laughs) (laughs) so ordinary. And he's found himself in the middle of this battle between (laughs) (laughs) power-armoured Superman and and literal super-mutant. Christ. You got this, Ian?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Should do. Should be all right. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Ian. Um, Okay, then. Well, that's yet another game, almost inevitably, (laughs) uh, that gets a pass in 90s Games Court and uh, joins the Pantheon uh, alongside System Shock 2 and Blade Runner, um, of the kind of the mount mushmore of uh, of 90s pc gaming. So mm. we'll be back next month with our next episode. That's going to be Jeremy XCOM XCOM Julian Gollop's XCOM. Why didn't he go for that like Sid Meier's Civilization? Why isn't it Julian Gollop's XCOM?
1: I've met Julian Gollop, and I don't think he has the ego for it, honestly. (laughs) He's quite a polite, nice man. He's sort of got a a sort of um, schoolteacher vibe to him. Sort of your your favourite unassuming teacher is Julian Gollop. So, uh, yeah, he wouldn't wouldn't do that.
0: Well, I I very much look forward to playing his game and coming up with some uh, reviewers' material based around it. So, um, yeah, tune in for that one. That'll be out in Feb uh towards the end of the month um but until then of course you can you can just binge on these episodes and just get the uh get the numbers up for us that'd be cool wouldn't it
1: um, yeah you can hear my christmas yeah. anecdotes all over again
0: that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> christmas with jeremy relive it only on the back of page podcast um yeah thank you very much for for listening um do feel free to to leave us your thoughts on the discord good or bad we are open to to ideas and in fact we uh, we came we we earmarked one that we will uh, we will actually introduce uh, in future episodes uh, because it was so good and it captured our imaginations and it features my name in it so i liked it <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that one but uh until then uh have a wonderful day morning, evening, whatever time of day it is for you. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye.
2: Goodbye.
0: Technically, yeah. this is another thing that I've heard, uh, <laughs> and I'm just parroting. Technically, it's apparently not an isometric perspective. Um,
1: I'm sick of hearing this film. <laughs> it's it's not useful to anyone, is it? When when people say, "Oh, it's not really isometric," it's like a pub quiz bit of trivia, isn't it? Did,
0: did you know? Yeah. Did you know that it's not actually an isometric perspective?
1: That's no, just something yeah, to say oh, in sorry, it if doing you... a podcast. Know, fills the silence. These dogs are. Sorry, I'm gonna to have to go and sort out these dogs because they're woofing. Someone's ringing the doorbell and uh, they're ruining the audio. So I'll, I'll be one sec. I, did, I didn't Ooh, hear any woofs at all, it. but yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, I've ruined it. <laughs> That's okay. Probably it will be picked up on my mic actually. So, one sec. Yeah, fair. <clears throat>
2: I just want to start a day, day, in your heart. I don't want to set the world up for you. Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: You've got a nice little uh, impromptu rendition of that. I don't want to set the world on fire there for you, so enjoy that in the edit. Oh,
1: lovely. I will. <laughs>